Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On the podcast today, we bring on Cole Anderson. By day, he's a data scientist. Uh, he does software and sports at this point. So he is really into the data um, and he focuses on goaltending, which I think is a fascinating topic because we're all trying to score more or we're trying to save more pucks. So we get into a lot of detail on this episode. He's got a lot of great data uh, that he brings up and the way that we should be thinking about goaltending, evaluating goaltending and even playing and trying to shoot and create better opportunities for goal scoring. So we really attack this from, from many different angles and he's just a whirlwind of good quality information. I feel like most people aren't able to go into the, as much depth based on their job, but uh, he does this not for his nine to five. So he really can dig into a lot of details. So really great one. We're going to talk a lot about goaltending analytics uh, and how this fits into how we can play the game better. So without further ado, Cole Anderson. Welcome to the podcast, Cole Anderson. Really excited to have you on. Talk some goaltending, some stats, some analytics, uh, the whole nine yards. It's going to be a great episode. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited. Uh, and we're just wrapped up the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, we're in summer mode. We can we can dive deep on all these uh, non-game-to-game -game topics, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to dive into some fun things. Uh, depth, angle, uh, maybe some, some attacking uh, shooter decisions and, and why maybe carry price is scaring people away to make a pass, but, uh, should, should be great. But before we get into that, how about you give us a, a quick background for, for those who might know, not know your story and, and how have you gotten to where you are in, in the hockey world? Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, so I came from, you know, I had a playing background. I was a goaltender. I played, uh, division three college hockey in Massachusetts. And after that, I, I was Canadian. I, you know, I played in the AJHL, BCHL, came down here, stayed here, got a real job, uh, realized, you know, I do like my day-to-day -day career, but uh, I was also kind of working in, uh, you know, data, data analytics industry and realized I kind of had these skills to be able to like find the NHL data, uh, scrape it, um, do, you know, work off of like what other people have kind of done in the analytics space and then eventually you know, make my own models and, and that sort of thing. And so it was kind of like a parallel track to like what my, my day career was, uh, you know, as a data scientist. And I was able to kind of like uh, look at questions that I was interested in with data, which I, you know, it was kind of a powerful thing. So I've been kind of doing that off and on. I've done some consulting for a data vendor firm like SportLogic and been able to present 
um, you know, at different conferences. And yeah, I'm just, it's just nice to be able to like, uh, you know, blend two things that uh, I like hockey and, and data and just kind of play in that world, a big sandbox, I guess. Huge sandbox, but I feel like you're, you're very important in it. Uh, I remember seeing you at the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets Hockey Analytics Conference put on by Allison Lucan and, and uh, just absolutely astonished. I was like, oh, okay, we're talking depth and angle. We're, we're going yeah. back to the roots, but not, not many people are diving into the goalie data. So it's this is really interesting. Um, and before we, we do that, I, I guess we should start a little bit higher level and, and maybe – deal with your models. So you've, you've been doing some models and putting them out on Twitter uh, around predicting games and comparing that to, to the betting market, you know, let's just, let's just go for it. You know, what is important for winning a hockey game? Yeah. So I guess this is kind of two track. This is my like game probability, like betting track where this is, you, you know, you have all this data and now you want to say, you know, why, what does it matter? Like, can we predict the, outcome of a hockey game uh and you know rolling up things like uh you know court you know percentages of expected goals for and against rest uh that sort of thing uh and and basically build out all the data to kind of predict the outcome of a hockey game which is actually very difficult and and it's a good um it's a good kind of test and reminder that you know a lot of what goes into a hockey game is uh you know luck i guess um and, and that's when i say luck i mean you know there's things that we can't explain um but and so the model the market versus the model stuff that's um that's just a good reminder that you know i have i have all this data that i've scraped or and built you know features explaining you know you know tampa bay has you know generates this much offense per game this many goals this you know expected goals and gives up this uh, you know, Andre Vasilevsky is very good and they're playing on two days rest against Montreal Canadiens. The same thing. This is, this is, you know, hundred features for each team. Um, but at the end of the day, and I think this is interesting, like the market that, uh, you know, the betting markets also come up with a probability for the, the outcome of the game. And that's also that in theory actually should be quite close to my number. So last night, for example, uh, game five Stanley cup final, I had 70% for, um, Tampa Bay Lightning and the betting market was about 70% as well. I think that's a good reminder that I, I public analytics probably is uh, not used betting market data as well as they could have, in my opinion. It, I think it's just like a whole other set of data. You have a market, um, you know, kind of generating like their predictions for a game. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of interesting. It's almost, you know, we could kind of go like more deep like history, but like uh, it, it's like, I read this article a while ago about, you know, the market economy versus like planned economies that had the supercomputers back in the 1950s. It's kind of the two different tracks, right? Like, can we optimize how to send corn out to every, like, you know, every grocery store in the country of, you know, whatever country you're centrally planning, or do we have this market that just kind of adjusts everything to say, you know, this is where the corns ends up. Cause you have all these like uh, so it's almost like two different tracks where you have this modeled data approach and then this market approach. And, and in theory, they should be pretty close. If you ever see a, a model that says, you know, there's 50% chance of the Canadians winning, but the market is saying 70, that model is either going to make you the richest person alive or broke immediately because it's it's not calibrated to the market, right? Uh, in the market, in the, the hockey markets are very like liquid, well-calibrated markets. It's, you know, and this isn't like Wall Street or 
there's no pump and dumps or anything like that. Like this is, people are trying to get this as right as possible because, you know, that's, uh, there's a lot of incentive in it. So that's kind of the, the, the crux behind that. Um, and so it's just, it's just a nice way to like check, check my work to make sure it's not crazy. And then I think it's also interesting um, in kind of seeing the delta between the two. Because because any model you're going to, you you really can use a model when you know what the weaknesses are, for example. So if I know that one team is over or underrated by it, now I can like, you know, maybe now it maybe gets a little subjective, but at least you know where those weaknesses are, kind of like an expected goals model or anything, right? Um, and so it's just kind of a tip of the hat to that idea. So like everyone else, we can assume that the Islanders are underrated by the model, right? Honestly, Islanders kind of gave me like, I was like a little worried that I thought they were a little overrated compared to the market. I, I feel like just like the betting market does not like the Islanders. There, there might just be some public money just like disliking the Islanders. I think I had them a little higher than they should should have been relative to the market throughout the third round, it's especially versus Tampa, if I remember correctly, but I don't know if that held or I might be misremembering, but yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're a tough one to crack, uh, no matter if you're, uh, you know, market or model, I guess. Yeah. So, so within your model, what, what are like the, the key drivers? So let's just say we have, um, a, lo- a local player or just a youth coach, you know, what, what are some things that they should be concerned about that, that drive winning uh, or the things that you see in your model that truly drive putting the odds in your favor, your team's favor to win that hockey game? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think this is pretty well known, but like you, the territorial advantage, the shot advantage is, is kind of one of the biggest like drivers of like winning games. Right. Uh, and this was always kind of, and there, it gets a little, be a bit more like, of a debate now because there's a the quantity quality debate and uh you know I, and then i have to be honest like the way i kind of um the model of the data like there's there's you know what you're trying to do is capture like non-linear parts of the model so there's it's not as interpretable to say like if you you know increase your shots per game by two the chances of you winning any given game you know go up by one percent there's a lot of different moving parts that, you know, if you increase your shots per game, but you also give up more shots, uh, you know, obviously that, you know, kind of net neutral. Um, there's, there's other ways that those interactions can work that hopefully my model is like smart enough to pick up that I like allowed it to codify because, um, you know, I think one thing that's interesting is when it comes to this, like, do you want to like do t- talented teams want to, you know, push the pace as fast as they can, uh, and then we see Tampa, like one of the better teams of our like recent memory, um, like winning games, one, nothing with all the talent in the world. Like, I think it's interesting that they can play both ways. And I, I get the, the, um, idea that, you know, if you're better, more talented, you want to increase the events, um, per game. Right. And, you know, you can win five, four because you're the better team and you increase sample size and all that. But there's also games where you find yourself up one, nothing and you, the, mar- the value of a marginal goal for you isn't as much, you know, it's not as worth as much as preventing the marginal goal for the other team and you kind of lock it down. And, you know, that's personnel. That's a lot of things. And, you know, what maybe what's at the, you know, what's right at the highest level in the world wouldn't necessarily be right for like, a, a, a you know, a, a lower level, right. Where you're trying to develop uh, players. So th- those are all things to, um, you know, account for, but, uh, at the same time, like the, the best we can do, like you want to, you want that puck, you want the shots, you want to generate good chances. 
I think at the end of the day, like that's that's my biggest takeaway from the model. But I don't also think that's like too novel, right? I think that's something we've known for a while, um, for sure. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, soccer as well. And it kind of sounds like England going through the European championships right now. Like they've got all this power up front with uh, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Phil Foden, et cetera. And their big thing is we don't allow any goals. They've gone through the entire tournament, six games now, not allowing one goal. Yeah. Clean sheets all the way through. So it's, it's kind of interesting seeing a team that can play it both ways. You know, it's, it's like the old fighting days in the NHL. Like, uh, who, you know, how do you want me to beat you with my left hand or my right hand? You know, you, yeah. you pick. Yep. So that's cool. Um, it, it, what's your thoughts on, on quality over quantity? I feel like when we first went through this analytics, um, I wouldn't say revolution, but maybe evolution as we're getting different kind of data and better data. Um, you know, it started with quantity. We want to throw a lot of pucks at net at the net. And now it's kind of tilted the other way. You got teams like the Leafs, uh, they're really looking at quality. Uh, where, where do you stand on that? Yeah. I, and I think, um, you know, as a former goal tender, like I, the, the teams that go the, the quality route, I, I feel like are, is more difficult, uh, to kind of like, um, counteract that, right. You just don't get as many reps. You don't feel the game. So you might be sitting around for five minutes, but and then the extra passes will get to you. Um, and I think that's, um, and, and so I kind of did a thing for, um, a goaltender coach, like retreat where, uh, well, I, my, my greater point was that, you know, models are mo models are kind of wrong, just based on, you know, you're modeling on past data and the, the environment is always changing, which is one of the things I like about the sport. Right. Uh, so if you take, you know, data from last year and apply it to this year, um, your, your expected goals model is going to be a little lower the last couple of years because the shots are getting more dangerous. And if we just subset to like shots right from the hash marks in the NHL, mind you, uh, and their forehand 20, you know, about 20 feet out, uh, forehand five on five, like just the most common type of shot, like they're going in more often than, you know, more often year over year. Uh, it's, you know, teams are finding ways to generate, um, you know, more quality, and I think, you know, I think that's smart. I also think the thing I like about hockey is, you know, everything kind of cyclical, like you said, uh, there's no one way to do it. And it could come back that, you know, there, there might be like a, you know, more like more quantity, like uh, evolution as, as teams maybe hyper-focus on this too much. They don't get in, you know, the teams kind of are able to like counteract that. And now like, you know, maybe, maybe you, you find some teams are able to like reemploy like the, you know, prime LI Kings kind of grind a little bit better and just grind you out too. Right. Like there's, 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 it's kind of like a, you know, rock, paper, scissors where, you know, rock paper beats, you know, it's kind of, you have the entire like cycle where one, you know, one thing beats the another thing, but it doesn't always beat it every time or else every team would just gravitate to one, you know, one strategy. And, you know, that's, that's not good for the game either. Right. Like you, you want to see, like, you want to see teams with like a little, like, different ways they play things. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I, I hope it always just kind of stays like that. I hope you kind of teams are always up in it. I can maybe like lead and, and change strategies and, and hopefully new strategies always kind of work because if we just have like a, everybody goes right to quality, like you're just going to see, you know, teams forcing center ice uh, all the time. And that's not, that could get ugly if like defense is figured out, right. A very low event, that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's curious. And, and going back to just a thing you just mentioned here, you know, 
teams are generating more quality and finding ways to get higher quality chances or different ways of getting at those high quality chances. Um, for you, what, what are some of those ways that the teams are generating more quality or a different high quality than years past? Or just what's, what's an effective way to create quality chances? Yeah. And I'm sure you guys have touched a lot on this podcast is like, you know, cross size passes, you know, East West play. And it, it is really um, moving in that direction more than ever. And it does take a lot of skill. And I am not suggesting it's not exciting to watch. It is. Um, it, it's just, uh, and, and that's, that's the most effective way. And, you know, we can talk about the kind of goaltender positioning angle stuff. Uh, you know, there's, and the reason teams do that, and it's, it's almost so obvious you don't need to mention it is to get the goaltender moving and get the goalie off angle. Uh, and, and that's, that's the name of the game right now. And that's, that, that's, you know, I know goalies are working to counteract that. Uh, sometimes there's only so much you can do. Um, you know, obviously defensive structures will have to like, uh, adjust as rapidly as they can, but there are, there are very few defenses against a perfect pass. Right. Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, there, there's different teams approach kind of layered screens and stuff like that. And so it's not, you know, none of this is new teams have always wanted to get, um, you know, lateral movement on the puck and, and players in front of the net and take away the goalie's eyes. I guess they're just doing it with more skill and, uh, you know, more skill and maybe more uh, perseverance. Now they're, they're, they are willing to pass up two two you know, mediocre shots to get one good one um, before uh, maybe you wouldn't see that or some teams are at least. Yeah, definitely. And, and that kind of leads us into where we're going with this, which is uh, goaltending analytics. Um, you already touched on, on the global goaltending retreat. I don't know if you want to start there. Or you want to start with maybe, you know, what are goals prevented above average? You know, what is that stat? What does it take into account? You know, how are you measuring uh, goalies these days? Yeah, uh, good question. So there's, and we can kind of tie those together. So goals uh, prevented above average, goals saved above average. There's there's a couple of different levels. It's like there's one that indexed to like with save percentage, right? And so you could you could imagine um, you can imagine like a league where, you know, goals are scored on, you know, go- the average save percentage is 90% and you put up a 91% save percentage, you know, if you face a hundred shots, that'd be worth, you know, one goal saved above average. Right. Or if you face a thousand shots, that's 10 goals. It's basically that extra 1%, um, uh, your, your extra 1% of your save percentage times the number of shots. Uh, so it's just like it in, and then that's helpful because you can, you know, you can, judge a goalie by, you know, the league save percentage in the eighties, which was much lower than it is, you know, in the 2010s. Right. Uh, and then kind of the next level off of that is like the save percentage, uh, or usually the expected save percentage. So basically goal save above expected, uh, and, and sa- same idea. And so, you know, maybe your save percentage expected save percentage was a 91 and you made 91% of the saves. So, you know, your, your goals saved above expected is zero. Right. Um, you can, and then there's other different little layers. Uh, I, I prevented is one I do. You can also like add a rebound adjustment in, um, essentially you have like an expected number of rebounds. And if you, one thing that, you know, I found with expected goals is like rebounds are kind of noisy and and big, right? Like they're very weighty, but they're somewhat random. So if you can smooth those out, you can kind of, you can kind of say that if you prevent rebounds, you're also preventing goals, right? Uh, and, but I guess the, the point is that none of these are like vastly different between goalies. Like 
if you have a good uh, save percentage, uh, you know, goals saved above expected, and you'll probably have a good like goals prevented above expected, there just might be a little like on the margins difference between certain goalies that have a tougher environment or, you know, help themselves by preventing rebounds or that sort of thing. Uh, and so that's where uh, some of the work I did for the goaltender, goaltender uh, goalie guild, uh, goalie retreat this year, uh, Justin Goldman runs it. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, look him up the goalie guild. Uh, he has like scholarships for like, uh, uh, I think they had like voting on scholarships right now. So if you know any goalies, um, uh, look that up. I think I shared a little while ago or look up the goalie guild and, and look, uh, look for that. Um, so this year I kind of, and it's a bunch of goalie coaches. So the thing that's trying to, we're trying to communicate there is take a, uh, the, the analytics, probabilistic thinking and say, okay, why, why would goalies or goalie tenor coaches or parents care? Right. Uh, that's not always like super easy, but I, what I talked about this year is just kind of like, you know, puck luck, random variance. Uh, and, and actually one thing I had looked at, or I sent out a questionnaire of asking, you know, why do we think we don't see like year to year, like strong correlations between goaltender like results. Right. So these metrics we just talked about goal save above expected, that sort of thing. Um, you know, it, the top in year one, aren't necessarily going to be the top in year two and that's fine. And we just wanted to kind of take a pulse of why that is. And we look, you know, I kind of, you know, the population of goalies at the NHL level are all very good. That's one, uh, luck, you know, team effects, uh, you know, the nature of the, the position is kind of a cyclical, like injuries and, and confidence. And, and then also like, uh, I think we were, we talked about a little bit is like, there's more ways that a goalie can affect the game than just making saves. Right. Uh, and so goals saved above expected, that's great. But like a good goaltender is going to have more impact on the game than just like making a save or not. Right. The game, the, the game is about pre- not letting in goals, not, it's not, act, it's about, it's not about actively making a save. Right. And there's a difference between those two. So I'm very curious, um, about, about when you're talking about rebounds, so there's an expected rebounds per shot. Um, you know, what, what, what is that number? And is it changed based on the shot location itself or the situation, you know, like per hundred shots, you know, how many rebounds should be kicked out? Yeah. And it's, it's a weaker model. Money puck does something is, uh, does something, uh, similar with public data, mind you. Uh, and I, I have a rebound model with public data about, uh, rebounds are fairly rare, believe it or not. And the definition is about two seconds after a shot, another shot occurs. Um, you can extend that to three. Uh, but essentially that's the definition. It's about half as common as a goal. So about three to 4% of shots, uh, or shot attempts will occur, uh, have a rebound associated with it. The probability of a goal, if a team, the offensive team does get to that puck is it's about a quarter of the time it goes in. So if you do get to a rebound, it's like a mini power play on your stick for one shot. Right. Uh, so they are, but the, the problem is when you have, you're measuring by expected goals, um, and you can imagine like, you're defend you're measuring a defensive really expected goals. If they're out there for two rebounds, no fault of their own, or just something freaky happens, or maybe they they are on the ice and their team gets two rebounds, um, you know that that's a half a goal and expected goals right there. You know maybe that takes them from a you know a forty five expected goal to like a sixty five expected goal share. Do you know what I mean? Like 
it, it adds a lot of noise at the one game uh, level. I think over the course of the season, all that stuff um, evens out. But when you're in shorter periods uh, where expected goals are kind of your metric of choice, it can add a lot of noise just because they are so like, you know, it's about a, the average rebound will be about a 0.25 expected goal. Uh, they go in about a quarter of the time. So uh, that, that it's good to like, kind of maybe, you know, think about that um, and think how you can like, maybe, uh, you know, dampen some of that, their, uh, the noise you might get from that. That's very curious. You're saying only 4% of shots really have a rebound associated with them. So that that's very low. That's like 1%. That yeah. leads me to believe that point shots really are terrible. I mean, the NHL makes them look a lot better because their shots are ridiculously good. But at the lower levels, uh, you really probably want to be passing up those types of shots. Yes and no. I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting. So, so yeah, you're saying if you take 100 point shots, uh, four will turn into rebounds and then one. Yeah, it's interesting. I've kind of I haven't gone into the point shot debate too much. One thing that I've always kind of hesitant to like declare too much is if I have a point shot, but I'm shooting for a tip and it does, it doesn't get tipped. It's going to register as a very low probability of a goal, right? A one, you know, 1% or whatever, but if that does get tipped now you're up to like, you know, 16% or 20%, right? So, you know, what's the probability of the, if, if you take that point shot, is it going to get tipped? Is it 50%? Then, you know, maybe it's a good shot because you, you average a two and it's maybe so I, I just don't think we have really enough data and, and if we knew the shooters and the, the defenseman's intentions or what they were actually doing, I, I feel like the data doesn't necessarily do that justice directionally. Yes. You're probably absolutely right. There are too many point shots. A lot of times they are just kind of, you feel like maybe they're just punting it to get off the ice, right? Like, or, or just, uh, you know, they don't know what else to do. They don't want to make a play. Um, so I, but I, that, that's kind of my nuance to that, that, Anytime I, I kind of see that in the data or I see that analysis, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what if there was a stick here and you're inches away from like connecting with a deflection that changes the expected goals completely. I think that, and I, and I think that's, that's true of other situations for, you know, in and around the net. I mean, um, there was a goal, there was a goal, I think price gave up earlier in the playoff, maybe Vegas, and it was shot. It was a Riley Smith goal. And I don't know if you'll remember, but is uh shot wide and Riley Smith tipped it in and it was beautiful deflection. Awesome play. And you basically, he had two uh, kind of two ways to play it. Price did. He could either push back to his post and play the deflection, which would have been like a 10 bell save, maybe like a 0.3 or 30% like expected goal or because the the puck wasn't that wide, uh, you know, it was kind of tight, you know, back door, but still kind of tight to, um, you know, where the crease was, you could kind of knock it off with it, you know, maybe get a stick on it. And I, that's what price tried to do and didn't, it was a little tricky because it was on the blocker side, but you can imagine he makes that save deflects it in the corner or, you know, he reaches out like maybe a foot past where the, the post is deflects in the corner. That's a, you know, that's a, gets marked down as a shot 1% probability. So, I just think that the way the flexions are on the traffic in front, like I, I, I think it's a multi-level game, right? I don't think you can just say like uh, point shots are necessarily bad. And I also think that the way goalies can play, it can also influence exactly, you know, exactly what kind of like chance gets registered. If that makes sense, if that example makes sense. Um, I, I think I went back, I, I posted on Twitter. I, I forget it's uh, the days are running together here. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that uh, that play exactly, and it was going to his blocker sets. He was sliding yeah. to his right. Uh, he did try to cut it off, which is, I think, the right play. I think to get back to the post would have been like an amazing play. Um, and it just, it was such a good shot and just kind of like, just kind of missed the blocker. It was, it was just kind of interesting. Like, what do you do? Right. Um, it's, you have to make a, you have to make a quick, and you can kind of tell it's an instinctual play. Uh, that's just how he plays it. If he was like a Darcy Kemper or somebody that played on his goal line you know, maybe it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you're, you're probably just going to like push back cause you're already on the goal line, but that's not how price plays. Exactly. He's, he's a guy who likes to, to cut down the depth yep. uh, and challenge a shooter. So I, I, let, let's, let's jump back uh, to this here in, in a bit, but uh, let's go, let's go a little bit to your, your CBJ analytics conference presentation um, ex- when we were talking exactly about this and you really do- dove into it. Um, you know, the, the trade-off between depth and angle, like Carey Price is a guy who likes to, get depth really challenges shooter versus a Kemper or Lundquist. Mm-hmm. It really likes to sit deep and try to take away angles a lot better. Um, I'll, I'll let you go from there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this is, you know, lucky enough, um, CBJ hack, you know, Allison put on, it was awesome. It's the last thing I did before the pandemic. So that was cool. Uh, and, uh, so I, and I was consulting the sport logic. So I had this tracking data, right. And you have that, that's kind of the opportunity to say, you know, we ask these questions or there's a lot of things that, you know, maybe, you know, institutional knowledge about goaltending, how they play, you know, uh, you know, depths and angles and that kind of managing that trade-off, but can we start to model that with data? And, and that's kind of what I did for that project. And, and so essentially what we had is, um, you know, just, uh, coordinates for all the players in the ice, including goalie, um, and measuring where the goalie is in relation to the puck uh, and invented like sport logic data. So where the goalie is in relation to the puck or the event that's happening and, you know, they're the net, which thankfully doesn't move. Um, and, and then just kind of measuring their strategies and how, you know, each goalie kind of has their own strategy uh, measuring the, the trade-off between depth and angle. So just, you know, just so everybody's just, the terminology is uh, the same for everybody, like aggressiveness, like we were talking about, like the depth off the goal line, how far out you're playing. Um, and you got exactly right. Price is one of the more aggressive goalies. Uh, and then your Lundqvist, Kemper, Mike Smith, the, these guys are very conservative, play closer to the goal line. Why do you do that? Because we were talking all the East-West plays, uh, teams trying to get goalies off their angle. And the further out you play, um, the, the tougher it is. So, you know, if you have to go dot to dot or like one side of the ice to the other, if you're playing further off your goal line, that's a, that's a bigger push. That's a longer distance to travel if you're playing more aggressively, but why do you play more aggressively? Uh, you know, you, you just, you're bigger, you're, you're challenging, uh, the puck, you're, you're taking up more, um, taking up more net as that, uh, that play envelops. And, and, you know, we kind of see, and, and it, so it's just like a cat and mouse game, right? So, once we had that modeled, we were able to say, okay, um, let's take a look at all the attacking events. Um, so passes or shots in the attacking zone and use that goaltender depth as, you know, input to the model to say, you know, will shooters, you know, be more likely to shoot or not if the goalie's challenging. And, you know, sure enough, the, per- the more the goalie challenges, the more likely they are to pass. And we saw that the Stanley cup winning goal by uh, uh, last night, 
um, for Tampa, Ross Colton, that was a, a play where Savard had the puck, Price challenged, and, you know, Savard was not going to shoot that. He didn't really have a play on the shot, and, you know, he passed back door, and, you know, that was, that was a great play, great pass, and, you know, Colton beat his man to get that shot off. But, um, and, and so you can kind of, we were talking about, like, now the goaltender strategy comes into it, right? If that was Mike Smith, like, maybe Mike Smith gets beat up top, um, you know, maybe Savard takes that shot. Uh, so it's just like all these sort of like different, different wrinkles to this shooter goaltender, like strategy game, um, that, you know, I think, I think it was awesome to be able to look at it. We did need tracking data. Uh, for example, you know, I, we ended up measuring like goaltender position as a function of other things going on the ice. So I think, I think like if we took a, take a look at that, like goal last night, I think price trusted his defenseman there, but if he, if that was a five on three or something like that, and there was a weak side or yeah, weak side, uh, guy that was open, you know, maybe he doesn't challenge that. Uh, and, and so just trying to like capture that with tracking data, building like passing lanes and, and trying to like, uh, quantify that and, and kind of build a, a comprehensive picture of like what might be going into a decision by a shooter and a goalie and, and how those things kind of work in tandem. And I, I thought it was, um, you know, fun, fun project. And I was excited to be able to like present it to you guys at uh, CJ hack there. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Loved seeing the, uh, the graphics and everything that went along with that. But uh, say someone's never seen your work there. They weren't at CBJ hack, you know, what is the one thing that you would want them to remember from your work, from the presentation uh, yeah, just something that you would want someone to remember that has never seen that work, but is interested in this trade-off between depth and angle, shooting, uh, the shot decisions, all that. Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I just, it is, um, there was some work in there that just kind of like suggested that there was the, that trade-off between depth and angle. The, the, the further out you challenge, the tougher it is to get and maintain on angle, uh, the more conservative you play, the, you know, the easier it is to maintain and get on angle. Um, that said, uh, one thing I try to do, but just kind of ran into time issues is like, you're not covering as much net. Uh, so that that's not really an answer because that wasn't in there, but, uh, you know, just trying to, trying to structure it where this is stuff coaches talk about all the time but now we have the data to kind of back it up, even though, you know, there's other like applications there, there was like some expected goals applications in there. Um, I think we've all seen like, you know, a play, I mean, around the net where, you know, a shooter will just whack a puck into the goalies pads. Uh, it'll register good expected goals, but like, we know it's not going to go in. Um, and, you know, if we know where the goaltender is positioned, like the expected goals model gets a little smarter. So there's that work too. Um, uh, that's a really bad answer. Uh, but I, uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's just like, sometimes you just like to sit around, you know, talk hockey for a while. And I think it's one of those things that kind of facilitates it. Cause it has, it has a little bit of strategy. It has a little bit of analytics and a little bit both together. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is uh, a <laughs> complex stuff, even though everyone thinks it's, it's so easy and straightforward, but actually proving it, uh, with data is, is a lot more challenging than people give it credit for. So. We'll, we'll let you off the hook on that one. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to uh, what we were talking about earlier with the, the global goaltending retreat uh, ju- it was Justin Goldman, right? Yep. The 
the writer of the phenomenal book, The Power Within. If you're a goalie, you, go. you have to read The Power yeah. Within. Uh, if you're a shooter, you should read it anyways, just because uh, you need to understand what goalies are thinking and how they're processing things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's at the battle. That's why That's why the CBX stuff was was what it was, is because, like, yeah, no, goalies – Goalies are, you know, I think we're students of the game in a, a different way. And I think that, you know, much like, you know, we try to understand what shooters are doing. I think it's advantageous for shooters and, and not just that, like shooters, but coaches to understand the finer points of like goaltending too. It's, it's a little slower. It's a little bit more strategic. It's like rapid, you know, it's rapid chess in a way. Uh, there's a little less flow. There's some more rules, but if you understand those rules is like a, a, um, you know, position player or coach, then it becomes, things make sense. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's, it's like that for a reason, but it can be advantageous when you're, you know, devising strategy or, or shooting or kind of an, an innate feel for like what's happening, uh, what the goalie's trying to do to counteract what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And I, I love messing with the goalie on their, on their plant and push foot. I think that's, that's a lot of fun. And, uh, you always see a goalie swear when you get them five hole, just, just perfectly. Uh, yeah. A little jealous that I'm a righty, not a lefty there can really get them on that push leg going from their right to the left. That but is the worst. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, there's being skilled and there's being smart. So, and if you can be both even better, so. Absolutely. So we, we touched on th- this and you, you had that great phrase about, it's not about actively making saves, but rather preventing goals, you know, saves are great, but preventing goals, is the real thing that we're trying to do here. So what are some ways that goalies are affecting the game beyond just making saves? Um, and then, you know, how can you go about quantifying that or how have you gone about quantifying that? Yeah, let's go with the first one uh, first, because you do kind of a rabbit hole. And I would say that, you know, given if I if I was thrown in a, uh, my basement, which I've been trapped in anyways, with, you know, all this tracking data for, and you know, months to work on it, I would still struggle to really come up with like a clean answer. But it's good to kind of think through it like, you know, I would as a goalie or an athlete or, you know, coach where you know, goalies impact the game, uh, more than just saves because one, like the obvious one is rebounds. Like, are you cleaning up rebounds? Are you not like giving second chances when you don't need to anytime I see a puck bobbled and the puck goes back into play, even if there's not shot right after, like, um, you know, your defenseman might be tired. You might get a cycle going against you, that sort of thing. It's now all of a sudden you see it. You're like, all right, this is kind of on the goalie, not much. Like, obviously there's other five other defenders on the ice, four or five other defenders on the ice, but like, this is a way that they could have helped their team by getting a whistle. Uh, and, and same idea, like, you know, transition plays, short transition plays of their defense. Uh, I think the big thing, it's a very lightning rod topic goalie. Uh, this happened a couple of times, this playoffs quite noticeable, uh, notably like uh, Jari, like turning it over and uh, overtime against the Islanders. Uh, you know, goalies play the puck and, and then there's always some like, you know, goalies should never play the puck. You know, why do they play the puck? Like only bad things can happen, which is kind of true when, you know, there's these big splash plays. Uh, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of little effective ways that you as a goalie can help like facilitate, you know, breakouts. And, and so like, you should always like be able to put it on like the forehand, you know, your, your defenseman's forehand. Uh, you know, when they're break, they, you catch a rim, you set it, you set it nicely, like little things, attention to detail that most people wouldn't notice, but like, that's those things compound and add up. Right. Um, 
and you know making little like making little passes behind the net uh, you know a lot of times you, you'll see kind of the defenseman split out wide or uh, and there's just like you, you have the four checker come in they get caught in no man's land and that's just like little effective things that that's kind of this that's the the ice the 90 under the of the iceberg under the water right that nobody really sees because like that's kind of the boring stuff of the game right like there's just been a dump the goalie gets it like all right, I'm going to, you know, go get a beer or something like that. I'm not, I don't, I'm not coming to watch like, uh, you know, the one, two, two, four check. Right. So, uh, but you know, that, that's, that's just like being control of the game. And, and I, I just, as a goaltender, I always felt like if I was like making those little plays, um, if I was like, you know, getting whistles when I wanted to get whistles or, you know, not giving up rebounds, like now I'm in control of the game and it's just like a snowball effect you have the other way. If every shot against is an adventure and you know, you're not getting whistles, uh, you're, you know, getting tired, you know, legs, your tired legs still out there like that. That's also snowballs. Like now all of a sudden you're, you had one shift that was two minutes long before, like maybe don't get scored on, but like, you know, that, that stuff compounds over the game. So those are, those are kind of, you know, little things that, you know, I, my mind goes to, how do you test it? Well, it gets a little bit more difficult. Like, I, you know, you don't always want to take a whistle, right? Like sometimes you have, like, you, you want to keep like momentum going. So you want to play it to your defenseman. So it's, it becomes, you're a goalie that's, um, you know, in tune with the game. You understand the flow of the game. You understand where like it me how your defensemen are thinking or how your wingers are thinking, your centermen are thinking, and you're able to like riff off of that. Like, I think that's, that's, that's where it needs to be. Like there's, there's a lot of goalies that came up that are like, goalie school goalies that don't understand anything about playing the game of hockey. Uh, they don't, they don't make it to the NHL. Like the goalies that make it to the NHL are understand, like have a holistic view of the game and they're able to like kind of roll with that. How do you quantify some of those things? I mean, you could maybe like, it's kind of like eating an elephant, like can start with rebound control. Okay. Um, you know, a, a better data set than public data would be able to like build out models for that better. Um, and then, you know, passing, you know, expected passing. That was something else that was at CJ hack, you know, expected passing models. You know, we talked about like the rims and stuff like that. That does get a little bit trickier goalies uh, getting out and like making, um, you know, putting the puck in a good place for the defenseman, but those are all like little components, but at the same time, like scouts kind of pick up on that sort of stuff too. It's just like, do you, do they think the game in the right way? Are they making like good, are they making life easier in your, your team? Right. And another way is, is, you know, and this is tougher. I always kind of was responsible for calling out defensive zone, uh, you know, misreads or, or breaks and coverages. Right. So if I, if, if somebody gets free in the upper slot or, you know, somebody, you know, we don't have, we want three guys high in the, you know, three people high in the offensive zone, but we only have two, like, it's kind of on me to say, okay, we want a third man high, or uh, we want, you know, F3 high, or, or we, you know, we need somebody in, extra somebody in the slot like you you're kind of like calling the plays back there you're 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 you know covering for your defenseman if they don't see what you're seeing like it's on you to call that's tougher to quantify but like again that i don't want i don't want a shot like teed up from the slot right like i'm not trying to not trying to boost my save percentage that way right so i think it's on you to kind of like take initiative there and, and, you know, be part of the the defensive unit opposed to just the person that sits back there and makes saves. Right. Yeah. And when you're talking about preventing rebounds, are you more so saying that you're making sure you're, you're sucking in those pucks and 
getting a whistle on it or just like putting the pucks higher on yep. the glass. There's more time for defensemen to make plays. You know, what, what is a, a, you know, better rebounds or rebound prevention to you? Yeah. Great question. So I know with public data, we have like freeze rates. So that that's one. Um, and I, I think that's pretty valuable. I think they're a good proxy. Uh, there are plays where you want to punch it out to your team. Like if you know um, you have, you know, three or four people back and there's, it's an easier shot and you're able to like punch it out with your blocker or something like that. And so they can skate into it to turn it up. Yeah. That's a great play. That's a re that's a good rebound. Um, and, you know, I think that some of that takes like tracking data um, and uh, you know, advanced venting data. I know like sport logic had uh, you know, more advanced, you know, invented data for like what time of rebounds and they were uh, we don't have that with public data currently. So Again, it's just one of those things. It's it's bit by bit, and uh, I, I think that. But you know, I think it's interesting. Like when we're talking about the goaltender retreat, like we're presenting to a bunch of goaltender coaches. How do you in like they already know all this stuff, right? Like they've been talking. They talk about this stuff all day, every day. Um, I think it's more like maybe hockey operations where this this goalie is good. Um, this goalie, you know, maybe makes things more difficult for themselves. But it's also on the margins, right? Like you're not going to not acquire a good goalie because their, you know, rebounds are a little less than, you know, ideal, but, you know, I guess maybe it's something you think about uh, more work needs to be done in that area for sure. But from a quantitative and qualitative, I think, you know, goalie coaches are breaking down film on this all the time. They're, they're very attuned to like every shot that's taken, trust me. So I think it'd be tough for you to like barge the room and say, okay, this model shows, um, your goalies uh, giving up too many rebounds or, you know, they're not, pun- you know, they're not letting their players skate onto it. Like I, I'm sure they're breaking that down quite a bit. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe this is a way to like, you know, directionally like see who's helping and who's hurting themselves when, you know, you can't watch uh, all 30 teams every night, I guess. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's go down that rabbit hole. Let's say that uh, you're, you're now an NHL GM. You've got this data. Say you're you're consulting with Sports Logic. Um, you know, are you trying to draft one goalie per draft? Um, and I guess where we're going with this is, you know, are there opportunities to get value in the draft where people are overlooking it? Because obviously, you can see the the very good forwards, the very mm-hmm. good defense, and very good goalies, and project them easily. Yeah, but everyone's talking about how goalies are voodoo and you, you mentioned it earlier on the podcast, how year to year, it's very difficult. Like you could have a phenomenal draft year, but maybe that was, you know, not exactly relation to your, your true talent level or yep. how you're developing, you know, you sh- how, how do you go about finding that value? Are there opportunities later in the draft? What are you looking at to see and put a good bet? You know, you're a betting man. How do I put a good yeah, bet on a yeah. goaltender? Uh, to turn out to be a good pro? I do. I, yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And it probably varies based on, you know, organizational philosophy. And one thing I, I do kind of back up to. Um, you, you, know, you are the GM. This is your organization. You know, I, how would you I was it? just going to say, yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, pizza party every Friday. How about that's my, no. Um, so there's a different, a couple of different ways. Like when I mentioned like indexing, you know, goals saved above average, you can also do replacement and that actually gets you a little bit more like repeatability. I don't, I don't necessarily, I, I buy the notion that goaltenders are, and this is actually what I talked about the um, goalie guild retreat. Like there are ways that maybe we are 
kind of underselling the the repeatability of goaltenders. I, obviously, when things blow up, they really blow up. Like Carter Hart this year, wow, statistically profiled, like he was going to be a, have an awesome year, young, coming off you know early success, and, and it didn't work out for him. But you know, Hellebuck, Vasilevsky, these guys were top of the league a couple of years in a row. I, I think from an organizational perspective, I think you need to identify the best talent you can at the, you know, forward and D positions and take big swings there. I also think that if, depending on your optimization choice, just to get a forward, you know, get a forward that's playable in, you know, the bottom half of your lineup, say, uh, and get to a hundred or 150 games, whatever that ELC number is. Um, I think you might be doing yourself a disservice if you, you see somebody that you think can be like an organizational game changer like Vasilevsky was drafted in the first round and I I you know the money money puck or money ball would have suggested one don't draft this guy try to get somebody that you know maybe can fill out like a third line role um but we kind of go back to the bet betting idea like yes it's a little bit riskier for a goaltender but when you hit um if you hit like you hit big right um and and so you know it'll be as interesting to see where like you know, Nashville is, uh, in a couple of years after taking goalie high, uh, and there's the young Swede this year. I, and then I also think that, um, when we do like data analysis and, you know, this is where I would probably need to like dive into the data myself. Cause I haven't done it and I'm just kind of talking off, um, going off the top of my head here, but like, there's a, it's no secret that a lot of teams have not developed uh, are not invested in goaltender development throughout like the history that like the NHL. So when you do any like, uh, you know, analysis of like past draft trends, you have to view it in the context of how like teams have operated, which, you know, for a lot of them, like, yes, they might've picked a goalie high and yes, they made it flamed out. By the way, I don't think it's like anything worse in the recent years. It's not worse than other positions. Um, I think that there were some big failures in like the 2000, early 2000s from like DiPietro and whatnot, but I also don't think that they got enough support. And so as we kind of see teams get smarter of handling goalies and, and have goaltender departments, I think the kind of inputs to like the inputs from like draft to, you know, NHL career are changing as well. So I don't know if those connections that, you know, the Ricky DiPietro draft onwards I don't know if that's as relevant anymore. It might be. Um, and I know that there's only 32 starters in the league at any given year. Um, and so I, I don't think that's ever going to change, but I do think that, um, you know, evaluation of goaltenders has a long way to go and development of the goaltenders has a long way to go. So uh, if those are getting better, that maybe that data earlier, um, you know, doesn't matter as much, but we just saw like a first over, you know, first round pick, you know, go back to back cups and, you know, I, you know, I, but then again, Hellebuck was picked in the fifth round. Uh, that was one of those cases where he was a late bloomer and uh, you can still be a late bloomer as a goaltender. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there's definitely maybe ways to get an advantage still, but I don't think teams, uh, I you know, I hear the don't draft a goalie in the first round thing, but it's, um, I don't, I think the rules might be changing a little bit. And if you, you know, commit to any strategy too much, I think the game is cyclical and smart enough to maybe like move past that. If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, 
appreciate your time here. So we'll, we'll, we'll wind this down a little bit, but uh, just piggy, piggybacking off that, um, you know, a team does invest in their goaltending development. You know, how should they develop their goalies well? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. And, and frankly, probably um, something, you know, I, I'm not an expert in at all. Um, you know, I think, you know, when I think of the, there's so many great goaltender coaches out there and, you know, there, there are more uh, resources being invested. I think that, I think there's a balance between, you know, getting game time, you know, making sure that, you know, health is a big concern um, with like, uh, wear and tear on hips and, and managing those minutes and, and almost like you, you know, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but well enough to know like how, you know, the pitchers are, are maybe being treated a little differently than they were 20 years ago. I, I think so kind of coming together of like that technical development, understanding the game, like kind of like that, like hockey IQ, um, you know, in, in making sure that like, um, the physiological, like there's not any, like there's some teams that like their practices are, you hit a certain number of butterflies or RBH, like post integration plays, um, you're, you're done, right? Like teams are getting smarter about that sort of thing. So hopefully, you know, the, the goalie that kind of falls apart at, you know, age, you know, 32, you know, hopefully we're moving past that because teams have been managing like, um, you know, managing hips and knees, uh, better in their younger years. So, uh, yeah, that, that's certainly a great question. And, and, uh, it's, uh, it's one that we'll know more, uh, with, uh, more, you know, more focus on that area, uh, coming in the coming years. All right. Wonderful. Last question for me. So slightly back to the depth versus angle trade-off, um, you're building out your ideal goaltending pair. So you got to say a one, a one B type situation. Um, do you want something kind of like Vegas where you've got flower and, and Leonard that are kind of playing it differently? with the depth versus angle, or you just say, I want the best, most athletic goalies. I don't care how they get it done. Or is there almost an advantage because you can choose, do we want a goalie that's going to come out and challenge against the X, Y, Z team versus maybe, okay, I want you to stay deeper because we're playing the capitals and Ovechkin's over there in the one time. And you need to make sure you at least give yourself a chance. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I, I don't know because I think you have, for all the considerations of your opponent. So maybe you you end up in a seven game series with Washington or, or somebody that kind of a, which is funny because they Washington attacked flurry pretty good for his, his kind of aggressiveness in uh, the 2018 Stanley cup finals. And, and flurry's actually kind of changed his little game a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, cause you only play, you know, each team, like, you know, a couple times a year uh, and then the playoffs obviously get paired up, but like, I think there's also consideration for your like own defensive structure. Um, and I, you know, it would be, you at least have some sort of understanding uh, between goalies, how they're going to play it for the defenseman. So I don't know if that's easier if it, the, each goal is the same or, so I would love to talk to like Petrolangelo or, or, you know, some of those Vegas D like, how do, how do they kind of interpret it? Right. Cause uh, you know, you, and, and Fleury has calmed down a little bit, but you kind of have a, one wild man and then the other pretty, pretty, uh, you know, pretty conservative there. So I, I do think that's, uh, that's actually a very interesting question. Um, I, you know, as a manager, I think you do like to have some sort of, you know, if I was putting a team together, I, I would actually appreciate having like contrasting styles for the reasons you mentioned, but, you know, maybe my coach and defense course kind of thinks different. So that's a great question. Awesome. Well, uh, 
Thank you for coming on. I appreciate that. I'll give you two minutes to plug anything and anything you want to talk about, whether it be preferred professionally, something that we didn't talk about or touch on here, just ways to find you. Yeah. Well, you can find me on Twitter, uh, ice cold data. Uh, and then range hockey is something I'm uh, getting started this year. It's basically just for like all like betting related stuff. I think I've, I've kind of mentioned a couple times, like at these, like, uh, coaches conferences and and they're like I'm like oh yeah I'm doing like betting things they look at me like forehead so I think I'm like separation of church and state so if you whatever you find interesting uh, feel free to you know reach out follow along and then you know like we talked about like you know if you have a curiosity for the position or, or it's good to develop a curiosity for the position I, I do like I think goaltending is is probably uh, more interesting than a lot of people in hockey give it uh, credit for. And, and same, if you're a goalie and you're listening to this too, like I think that there's so much value in learning kind of, uh, you know, defensive structure and, you know, offensive, you know, tactics and that sort of thing. So, cause I do kind of, it is one of the, like the things we don't talk about enough is just kind of like that, you know, game of cat and mouse between the goalie and shooter and, and the opposing team. And I, you know, I, it's kind of where my, I, my, I always gravitates towards, uh, so, you know, just kind of reach out and learn a little something about the, uh, uh, the person that, that you're facing or having a face and it'll, it'll pay dividends and be interesting for sure. Absolutely. Make, make sure to find the ways to uh, score on your goaltending buddies five hole, really uh, get them going. They love it. They love it. <laughs> uh, lo- uh, that's my favorite part. You get a goalie going and then they can't stop swearing or they can't stop freaking out and they get in their own heads. And, and I have no idea what that's like. I've never sworn or gotten upset getting scored on. So I feel bad. I feel bad for those people, but they do exist, I hear. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Well, thanks again, Cole, for coming on. This is a wonderful episode. I I know I learned a few things, and I know our listeners are going to take a bunch away. So thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did, so... Before we let you go, though, we'd like to remind you to please like our podcast, subscribe to it, give us a follow, uh, and share this with all the hockey people in your life. We really appreciate uh, growing this community, this podcast. Um, Remember, we also have a newsletter, the Hockey IQ newsletter as well. Really excited to continue to grow this. So please help us grow this further by liking, subscribing, following, and sharing uh, with everyone. So. Appreciate you all. Take care. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.